There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new bubbly bursts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Bowen. And we want to introduce you to the new cantina menu at Taco Bell. Ooh! It's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients. Great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself. The slow-roasted chicken, Mm. pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. Okay! With new menu options like cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla, there's something for everyone. With this new cantina chicken menu, the possibilities are endless. Try the new cantina Tina chicken menu at Taco Bell. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Look, man. Where? Oh, I see. Wow. Bowen, look over there. Wow, is that Ooh, culture? Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. Hmm, feeling very pretty whimsical about this one. This is an episode of Whimsy, I would think. You know, we were just in a group chat that was exhumed from the grave. Oh, talk about it. Okay, this little tidbit. So, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. John Michael, who is Joel Kim Booster's boyfriend, Correct. was, I guess, at a function with Joel. Mm-hmm. And one of the co-writers of the first scary movie approached them both. Mm-hmm. And basically, this sparked a debate among the group chat of which of the movies are good. And w- someone posited, not even necessarily in the group chat, but someone posited that one is the only good one and the rest are flop. And I, we have to vehemently take a stance on this program, Las Culturistas, and say that that is so deeply untrue. I feel that I have, uh, first of all... We've talked about Scary Movie 3 ad nauseum on we this are, podcast. It's, it's canon on this podcast that Scary Movie 3, which is, of course, not the first, but second sequel, which is how you know a franchise is a huge success. When it has more than one sequel, that's a rule of culture number 14. When a movie has, has more, more than, than one, one sequel, that is how, how you know, you know it's, it's a huge, huge success. success. And Scary Movie 3 is the funniest film of all time. It has it great defined performances. A and it defined it de- a you said that. You did say it defined a generation. I'm not even kidding. I'm dead ass about this. My ass is so dead from it's knowing great. this. Can I tell you why I'm upset? Why? I'm upset today because, and and it's debilitating. Oh, no. Yeah. 
I have debilitating sadness today, as you can hear in my voice, because I won't be with you on Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, when Midnight's goes live. I know. Where where will you be? Okay, get this. I'll be at Halloween Horror Nights, absolutely screaming in terror, <laughs> running from hired actors in masks and 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 uh, spooky garb, weapons, weapons. First of all, explain this physics to me. Don't don't give these actors weapons. They have weapons. They have blunt objects. And here's the thing: this has really happened to me. This was really really oh, happened no. when I went to Universal Studios Florida, Orlando. Get get into it. I'm there. I went into an American Horror Story. Themed, you told me this. themed maze, and a woman who could only be described as Angela Bassett <laughs> took a knife. She took a knife oh. and did this to me, Bowen. Oh my god! She, she tried to hit me, and I was like, "You and I was like, Angela, I've been a fan. I Angela. have been a fan. I've been a huge supporter. You don't want it to end like this. You don't for want either this of smoke. us." No. You don't want this smoke, Angela. I will defend myself. And then not only that, but there were easily seven to ten Lady Gagas running around. <laughs> sort of not really trying to strike you, but more posing, which I felt was right. Of course. How many how many Cheyenne Jacksons, Evan Peters, you know, Billy Eichners were there? Oh, well, the, I didn't see any of them. Maybe, uh-huh. But maybe that's because, and this is what... My, my theory is that that was really Angela in there. So you thought Angela was in Orlando trying to stab you? First of all, she's a, an actress of the stage. This is a great that's, stage. That's true. I'm saying like, don't, first of all, can I say something to you? Don't limit thespianism. I'm not doing such a thing. You did such a thing I just, just now. I have doubts that it was the real <laughs> Angela Bassett swinging a knife at you. Do you have s- such doubts? <laughs> what a great performance from Meryl. Amazing Meryl. She's so talented, Meryl. You know who else is talented? Hmm. I was going to say Lydia Tarr, but <laughs> can I say, can I say something? So for the first time in a long time, and I always try to honor this, mm-hmm. but Matt Rogers put it to the group chat, the other group chat with mm-hmm. me and our guest, put an assignment out and said, both of you, I recommend both of you go see Tar before we record the episode. Mm-hmm. And can I tell you, I th- I had a pretty light show this week with Megan Thee Stallion hosting. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to have a chill Thursday or a chill Friday after I wrap on this pre-tape mm-hmm. to go and watch this movie that everyone's been talking about that I can't wait to see. You didn't get to make it there. Was stuck in the, stu- was stuck in the studio until midnight every night this week. That's okay. I so, so I I haven't seen it. That's okay. And can I tell you something? I I was looking through your schedule because I of course have two Google calendars, one for me and one for you. And mm. I was like, this is not going to work for him. I don't think. I no. don't think there's enough hours in the day for Bowen to go see the nearly three hours Tar, starring of course Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tar. Lydia, I'm not worried about the set. Like I like I I you shouldn't I, be worried. I powered through drive my car last year on Super Bowl Sunday in Pasadena. Okay. Well, first of all, can we just say touchdown on that one? Touchdown. And I Period. was really kind of defying American culture on that day by going, I'm going to watch this Japanese ass film. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah. it. So I'm not worried about the set, but yeah. I, I am sad that I won't be able to engage in a conversation. I, I think our guest might've seen it. He did. So what I said was, uh, what I said just a minute ago was, you know, who's a talent? And I was going to say, uh, of course, and I, and I, Lydia Tarr did what my brain is want to do since I've seen the film, which is sort of drift back to Tar and then sort of sit in thought. 
Um, but you know who really is talented, Bowen, is our guest. And oh this, this, this guest, let's just say this. It has really been too long. It has been far Since too the long. guest has been on the show. It's shut been up. far too Shut up. I feel like this is someone. Okay. And let, this is Honesty Zone. Give the honesty right now to the readers who depend on you for it. We were a fledgling little podcast for, I would say, about a year and a half to two years. We were so young then. We were. And then our guest pulled us out of the morass mm. into the open clearing where the air was pure and clean and good. The sermon you're giving right now. I'm obsessed. And said, come on my show, Pop Rocket. <sighs> and that was... Mm. I think that that really I think that was like the the first sort of like warm embrace of like oh here like here come in talk to us we have this listenership who knows it'll go from there and I mm-hmm. think that was like the that, that was the first like building block into building like the second story the upper floor mm-hmm. of the Lost Culturistas High Ranch the High Ranch Lost Culture is a High Ranch and it's, it's really culture ranch. number sixteen. <laughs> Lost, Lost Culture is a high, a high ranch. ranch. How many floors? How many floors does the ranch have? So a high ranch is very interesting in terms of d- construction. Because you go in and then immediately you're you're met with stairs that go up to like a second yeah. level. And then there's right. usually a basement. The garage. So the basement, technically yeah. it's three floors because there is that like sort of area where you decide, shall I choose to smooth this course? It's Coco and Bob when you go into a high ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can either go upstairs or downstairs. And I I don't know what's happening on either floor. Like, what's your Coco and what's your... What's your John Smith? Period. So I don't know. I can't can't wager to say. But Lost Coach is that. Our guest is um, one of the stars. And I would say one of the breakout, like, brightest spots of the film. I could have used more of them, to be honest. Oh. Not Not to note. Not but, to um, note. Could have used more of our guest. Of, it, it, of course, it needed more of our guest. In the it movie needed more bros. of our guest. The movie is bros. And I'm, I, I'm willing to bet a lot of the Katie's and the readers and the publicists have seen. Of course, we t- spoke about this film a couple weeks ago. One of the funniest movies of the goddamn year. And it's, you, listen, I, I just know from having a little birdie on set, Bowen Yang, that our guest was a major part of that, which doesn't surprise me in the least. And this is, this is a huge word for me right now. And always. Say it was cared for because our friend because our guest was there was being so wonderful was not was not was not on the call sheet that day to be on camera mm. but was there in a producerly capacity writing the best alts i said i bet he was excited you were going to be there and said i'm going down to set today i have a little line that says congratulations you made it to the obama administration but what's that around this the was a high, high point of the film true a true guy brandon pitch through and through I this, said that earned that that line earned a scream from me it earned a scream from me well that scream you have guy brandon to thank for that manola Dargas, more like manola, manola faggot me manola screaming faggot. at bros in the theater they, oh you God. might as well call me manola faggot. faggot we have to get our guest in immediately <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, please welcome into your ears uh, for for uh, a, a triumphant return to Lost Culture. Please welcome Guy, Guy Branham. Thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. The light of Lost Culture Recess has shone bright from its first moments. It needed no help. Um, those Manola who were called to it found it. Uh, um, so much to say. Like I just love the idea of Angela Bassett taking a break from whatever project she's on for the month of October. To reconnect herself with her craft, yeah. the immediacy <laughs> of her craft. Um, I trust also, her implicitly. was so revved up 
for a full-on three-way car conversation. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, I was in Davis, California for Parents Weekend for my niece, Olivia. Well-known we to the fellow Olivia. Shout yeah, out what to a wonderful Olivia. individual. Wonderful. I was like, oh shit, I have to go see Tar, mm-hmm. but it is only open in major cities, so I had to drive <laughs> down to San Francisco. Oh, um, no. No, for like, <laughs> again, two hours and 45 minutes of Tar, at the end of which I was like, again. Like, yeah. it was like a ride. I was just like, give me more of this. Bowen, um, you're gonna you're gonna be obsessed. You, I I left I left feeling a little different. I left feeling like, what the fuck was that? And it, yeah. it marinated in me, and then I realized, like, probably 12 hours later that it was, I think, actually the only relevant art I've seen in years. Oh my god! Like, what? What is? What is Todd Field? Just the whole idea of like, what is this man who like makes in the bedroom disappears for ten years, mm-hmm. makes um little, little children, children. Dis- disappears for sixteen years, yeah. and then comes back with this, which it, like, uh, it was um, a, a wonderful experience that uh, has electrified me. Um, and it's so good to get to see you guys. What a, what a lovely way to round out a weekend. That's lovely. And, and you're now you're in Yuba city. I am in Yuba city, the prune capital of the world. <laughs> As you guys know, well, I now have an intimate relationship with the California prune board for which I am an ambassador and thus must so happy. speak highly of, uh, you know, the delicious charm and sophisticated culture of California prunes that people should indulge in whenever they have the opportunity. I don't think I could tell you what a prune even tastes like. (laughs) I've enjoyed a prune. I bet you have. (laughs) That really tracks, Bo. I like a prune. They're rich and jammy and whiny. Mm. Now, tell me, I I don't want to muzzle any tar conversation between the two of you. I'm happy to listen. (gasps) Well, okay, so there will be no spoilers because it's also like, it's, it's also not about that. So, so no. Bowen, basically what I love about this movie that took me a second to realize because mm-hmm. you leave the movie and I feel like in most circumstances, like you leave a movie and you think, what was that movie trying to say? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that like this is this film is about this, you know, essentially like comically like awarded and celebrated conductor and musician Lydia Tarr, who's played by Kate Blanchett, who is about to conduct uh Mahler's fifth mm-hmm. and it's like it's like they're gonna be the crown jewel of her career and it's just this like fever pitch of celebrating this individual at the height of her career and basically what the movie is is you witness her fall her cancellation yes, if you were yes. and th- what I loved about this movie is that it truly makes art of the question can you separate the artists from their art. Yeah. And in that lovely, yeah. th- what I loved about it was in leaving, I was like, I mean, I was so ahead of that movie. It felt like that movie was depicting her as a monster from the beginning. Like that, that, that I, I didn't like her. And in hearing that other people had felt so differently than me, only then was I able to understand that what this movie and Kate, who is fucking perfect, is so brilliant at. And Todd field is it just played the truth of every single situation, which made walking away from the movie and thinking about it in this regard, sort of a Rorschach for where you're at on that question of art V the artist creating it. And it was really, really interesting and really well done. Well, there's also something so lovely about doing a movie about masculinity. That is Mm -hmm. not about a man. Mm -hmm. Like just, just sort of take like taking on 
like masculinity and patriarchy and power and everything that goes on there mm-hmm. and then hanging it not on a dude so that it is the same story we've seen a thousand times now just litigating are they bad or not and was and, and also sort of having a film that was that enormous off of one performance like the other people in the movie wow. are great but this is like this is saving private ryan storming mm-hmm. normandy yeah but just it's just one it, person it, but just Kate touching her ear. Oh my God. She, she is, she is ugh, towering. I mean, like the, the, the way she's a genius, it really can't be overstated. I mean, uh, I think, the, I think our greatest living actor, I think. And I, and I say that having mentioned Meryl Streep just minutes ago, I mean, this is, this performance is, and the thing too, is it's a very difficult, complicated performance that isn't trying to make you feel anything. It's just, she is playing the truth. And Mm -hmm. that is what, that is so important in this movie. I feel like if there, if there is any danger for her in award season, it is just that it is such a complex and varied, it's not like it's, you're playing an unlikable character. It is such a complex and varied performance that there is just huge amounts of unlikability there well you know? yes i mean the, the, she's not a good person <laughs> yes. but meanwhile eileen warnos was a saint and that's what <laughs> carried charlize over to her oscar win but even a movie like that like sort of asks you to sympathize with her this does not this is just like it's just really and and like even the edit was interesting like from from the jump it's a fascinating movie that actually demands rewatch because Bowen when I say it ends so bizarre I love that it. you have to leave being like huh a delicious ending that you will enjoy more than most people yeah Bowen you're gonna love it you're gonna really? love it you what really ma- are what makes yeah. you say this because it's because it's insane I okay great great I have to say uh when I was in Toronto for the Toronto International Film Festival mm-hmm. I pulled in every string I could to get to see um the Fablemans oh. and I am fascinated to see what you boys who think about and understand acting much better than I do, what you think after you see Michelle Williams' performance. Oh my because God. it was a brutal a best true, actress here. It's a truly huge thing. And I'm like, it, it was just that thing of, is that too huge? Yeah. Like <gasps> it's it's amazing. It's you know, it's gonna be really interesting because <laughs> So I think the top three, and I still, I'm going to be team Michelle uh, on this yeah, one. Like, sure, Michelle sure. Yeoh, Ms. Yeoh. Ms. Yeoh. And um, because it, but it's, I, I haven't seen the Fablemans yet. Obviously you have, but in your descriptor of it as being potentially too much Shoot. and overboard, mm. I'm, I'm wagering that we have the brutalism of Tar yeah. versus the Spielbergian excess of the Fablemans and the emotion that that carries and the true go for broke berserk insanity that touches on kind of both of those things and everything everywhere all at once which Mm -hmm. is really exciting and then like i haven't i have not yet seen the woman king but i know viola is in play for what many are saying shows new dimensions of her talent um but yeah i mean tar was i actually i'm bowen i'm like really really excited for you to see it do you have this week off I I'm working. I we're shooting. We're You're shooting, working. and I'm I'm working. You'll you'll go at some point. And I'm going to my nephew's bris on Thursday. Oh, that's so exciting! Oh my gosh, is this your first bris? It's my first bris, and for it to be family is very special. I might go see. I might go to a big movie day on Friday in Atlanta while I'm there, and just watch all of these films. Well, no, I'll, I'll, the Woman King I'm sure is playing somewhere in Atlanta. Oh yeah, it's doing really yeah. well. 
And because it's out in theaters now, right? It is. It is. It's, it's been yeah. around for a while. Uh, like I saw the Woman King. It's very good. It's not like it's not a Viola mm-hmm. Best Actress Forum, though. Okay. You know, it is like it's very much potentially that. a Best Picture. Yeah, but like it just doesn't really. I mean, she gives too much space to other people. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. she's definitely a journey, but it's also her just trying to establish you can watch an action film about a black woman and have it be thrilling. I mean, my signature experience is I was walking out of the theater at the Grove and there were like six eighth grade boys next to me. And one of them was assuring the rest of them it was a Marvel movie. Oh my well, God. I, I didn't understand. I, did, I actually didn't know. And this this just goes to show like, you know, that, how badly we need this story told. Um is that I did not know the Dora Milaje were actually based on these real women. I yes. did not know that. Yeah, it was um, it was the the Royal Guard of Dahomey um, were were all women. And oh, also, do you know who co-wrote the Woman King? Yes, Maria Bello. Maria Bello. Did Maria you know Bello. this, Bowen? Maria, Maria Bello. Bello. Okay, Bello Maria Bello <laughs> is is the the bar manager in Coyote Ugly, the blonde woman. Okay. Oh wow. So she's like. I, <laughs> Iconic lesbian hey. actress. Uh-huh. And yes. she, I guess, went a few years ago to Africa to like experience like uh, some oh, sort of tour wait, that like what? Yes. That oh she so she God. saw where like where the Dahomey, like she was just seeped in the culture and said, There's a story here. And then wow. left, and, and and get this. The way that she pitched it was she was presenting an award to Viola at some event <gasps> and she like Viola came up on stage to get the award and Maria Bello turned to her in the audience and she was like, I am going to take this opportunity to pitch a film that I know Viola needs to do. Pitch the woman king to her in that moment and they got off stage and Viola was like, I'm actually interested in that. We need to talk about it. And now it's a hit movie and it's like it, Viola's, you know, slaying. But Maria Bello has been like working pretty steadily like over the years too as an actor. She's a talent, but she's incredible. Also a producer. Amazing. She has pivoted to more producing and oh. uh, and charity work in Africa since pivoting to lesbianism at some point in time in the 2000s. Yes. 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 They, those go hand in hand. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a <laughs> career and sexuality reset. <laughs> and that's a real culture too. That's real culture number 30. Sometimes, Sometimes you, need you just a need a career, career and, and sexuality, sexuality reset. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Well, spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming, too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa credit card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow... So could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or a home. You know what I love about the Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card? What? There are no annual fees, interest, or credit checks to apply. Yes! You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. 
Take back your finances. Build credit using your own money. Yeah. Did you know that with Chime Credit Builder that you can get paid up to two days early with direct deposit? I did. You can also overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualifying direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com forward slash culturistas that's chime.com forward slash culturistas chime feels like progress the chime credit builder visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp bank na or stride bank na members fdic spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply out of network atm withdrawal and otc advance fees may apply terms and conditions apply go to chime.com slash disclosures for details hey it's bowen and i want to introduce you to the new cantina chicken menu at taco bell yes it's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients great as a lunchtime option taste for yourself the slow roasted chicken pico de gallo purple cabbage and new avocado verde salsa sauce with new menu options like cantina chicken tacos burritos and quesadillas there's something for everyone and taco bell isn't just for a late night with this new cantina chicken menu the possibilities are well endless try the new cantina chicken menu at taco bell now now i said snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You know, speaking of career and sexuality, I have actually, I've been to the theater many, many times, like over the past few weeks. And one of the most joyous times I had was to see bros. It was really so good, guy. It was so fucking good. So good. Hearing you guys talk about it was very sweet. I really appreciated it. It's such a fun movie. I hope more people see it. Not enough people have seen it in the theaters. I hope people uh, turn on their televisions and get it when they can. On the 18th or the 26th, it's coming pretty soon. Oh, really? Um, oh, great. Yeah. They're rolling it out. But it, re- it really was fun to watch it in theaters with gays. Yeah. Okay. The best part was, was after, so I saw it, like, all of the times that it, like, we had openings and stuff. But my friend, um, Marina Kockenberg, very talented television writer. She writes for Never Have I Ever. She and I go see romantic comedies together. And we went inside at uh, The Grove. And after it was done all of the gays in the audience felt the need to come out. Like she went to the bathroom and I was waiting outside of the bathroom and everyone felt the need to come up and explain to me who they had hooked up with in the cast. And it <laughs> oh, was just wow. a very charming little receiving line. And then uh, Gus Kenworthy came over and said, hi. And it was like, you don't need to tell us who you hooked up with. <laughs> I probably could guess. We could uh, guess. <laughs> His long term, his long term ex boyfriend Matt Wilkins. Matt Wilkins, <laughs> who's so funny, so great. Was that you at your most papal? You, you, you would say. 
I mean, I would just say, receiving all these 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 people telling you, like confessing all their misdeeds to you. I have a very high bar for my most papal Boeing. And <laughs> like it would be hard Title to that, most papal. assert most papal. it would be hard to assert that in front of Matt Rogers, who has had to see me, you know, issue bulls or interdicts at various points in time. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> interdicts. <laughs> On these streets. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, like, you probably had your iconic laugh. So that so it wasn't it wasn't they probably were like, I mean, he's here. I have to go over there. I mean, with a laugh like that, the, the man wants to be papalized. Like, I do hate situations where uh, my obtrusive laugh uh, makes me too present. There are moments when it's just perfect. When at the end of Joel's special recording, he was like, I heard your laugh. Is Guy here? That's what I want. I just want a yes, gentle level yes. of awareness. But then there are times where it is like comedians who get mad at someone for laughing too loudly in the audience and like, calm down. Don't you know what your job is? And like, I, it makes me feel self-conscious for making it about me in a very 11th grade girl kind of way. But we all want to do that sometimes. Mm -mm. I'm going through this journey now in terms at work where uh, my laugh is sort of piercing in its frequency at the read through, but sometimes, I love your laugh. Uh, but okay, no, it, the laugh is one thing, but now I'm doing this thing where I'm literally knee or table slapping, <laughs> going, you know, like going like Bowen this. hits table. We all know I, Bowen hits I, tables. I hit, I hit table. Mm -hmm. um, but now this is teetering on like it, it being perceived as performative. Mm -hmm. And that's my fear. The thing is, is withholding joy in a comedy writing situation uh, is perfectly useless. And there are some people who are really aggressive about it. Useless. useless. Like, Don't we know it, guy? We need to remember <laughs> what's fun about what we're doing while we're doing it before there's an audience here. Like uh, when I was on Fashion Police, when I started out, they kind of didn't laugh, even at the good stuff. And I was like, mm -hmm. what's the fucking point of being here if we're not going to enjoy there's it? There's no point. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's... <laughs> It's how you know something will work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, don't, even if you were cold hard math about this shit, like, yeah. understand that, like, we, we want the laughter from someone else at least. It doesn't have to, we don't have to have fun here. Yeah. But it's better if we totally. can engage that someone might. <laughs> but when you, when you separate those things of like the laughter trying to like outline the audience response, the way it's being received from like the text itself, like, this is this has happened like a thousand times already this season, like on stuff that I've worked on, where it's like, oh, we're getting lost in the sauce too much. Like, let's mm -hmm. just like pull out and just be mm -hmm. like, oh, like this works, this plays, let's move on. Like, yeah, there's it's it's sometimes it do be getting a little too 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 granular. Did yeah. you know that that was actually a narrative in Bone and I's early friendship? What do you mean? Was that we would scream at each other at each other's shows, scream. Like, I remember, like, I would do sketches and Bone would come to the Hammercut shows and he would be laughing Screaming. so hard. And I was like, that's my girl out there. And when I would go see Danger Box shows and then Bone do improv, I would be screaming and to the point where people were like, yeah, um, you really laughed a lot. And I was like, yeah. And then I, it, I wasn't self-aware enough to be self-conscious. I was just simply too caught oh. up in the feelings of joy. I mean, there's nothing better than that feeling of falling in love with somebody's comic voice. There's nothing better than just sort of like, period. you know, one of the great things about stand-up is like constantly having these new people show up and you're just like, I just want to know what this person is going to do. Like, they, uh, you did that for us. You did that for us. For 100%. But also, I just enjoyed so much what you did. I like, I will never forget that I got to meet Matt through his performance. I appreciate very greatly. Bo and I just had to meet at a gay party 
um, surrounded by gays talking about how much Bitcoin they had. <laughs> Bowen, Wait, I- what? Okay, so that night that I met you, there was this guy who attempted to brag to me about how much Bitcoin he had, and I was just like, fuck you, I did not say this, but my attitude was generally, I'm from Los Angeles, you should not brag to me about how rich you are, you should brag to me about your industry power or fame, and your fame should proceed to Sure. Um, and then, <laughs> since, since then, all I can think about is how much Bitcoin he had. He had like, This was like 2015, this was, was like 2015. A, a while ago. No, he had like in the tens of thousands, I believe. Like that is if he is held on to it, a very wealthy man now. Sure, mm. sure. Good for him. Good for, Good for him. him. He needs to get back in touch with you. Now <laughs> it seems like you might be interested in what he has to say. It's true. Because it's he, true. Could, he might be a very wealthy person now. I know, but there are stealth crypto fags out there and they're, and they're among us. Oh, I know them. They're, they're really among us. And and then I celebrate them. It was, it was very much like it was a man wearing a blazer at, (laughs) um, you know, at gay nights. And he had that feel about him. And I was just like, I'm from the West coast. I don't know how to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gay nights where you recall it was in New York. It was, was it called pretty, was it called pretty ugly or yes. 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 Pretty ugly. I remember that party. Was that was that was at the Ace Hotel? No. It was not, but it was It was like it was in the venue of some sort of weird Tony and Tina's wedding like <laughs> um interactive <laughs> <Yeah>. theater experience. <laughs> and yeah. I just remember being unused to Hell's Kitchen and having dancer bodies all over the place. Anytime somebody had very visible pecs and a very visible ass underneath their clothes, I went up and asked if they were Broadway Spider-Man. <laughs> and it... Matt Wilkes really was. Matt Wilkes was a Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Did you know that? Of course. He really was Spider-Man. No, there was one time he was, uh, we were at a party at Jeffrey Self's house and he was having back pain and everyone was very solicitous about like offering help. And I was like, why they, do they care so much? And then I was like, oh, these are injuries he sustained as Spider-Man. That's why everybody <laughs> cares so wow. much. Wow. Like, uh, honestly, just to be on the front lines at Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, one of the greatest theatrical wars <laughs> we've seen. When Arachne swang from the ceiling, honey, honey people, people died. died. <laughs> people were killed. People Nobody died. was killed. I bought the book about it, but have not read it. There's the book. What oh, book? Is there a What's book? this book? There's a book. There's a book. I don't is there know. An oral history? Yeah. Oh. I love an oral history. Can I say? It feels like yes. the girls can really talk shit. Yes. I, I want them to do an f- oral history for Fire Island so bad so everyone can know all the tea. I'm ready to spill. Bowen, did you read the Tom Shales book? before you went to SNL? I've never given it a full read and I, I've read bits and pieces. I would like hop around to like the eras that I loved. I did like, yeah. I did like pre 75, then like the first couple seasons, like all the way up to like the new Orleans episode. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I went to like the nineties and then I went to like, and then they, for the 40th, they did uh, an update. And I, I assume they'll do one for the 50th too. And, but okay, but this is my question and please, please comment on this. I'm like, is it too, like I would never be caught dead on the subway like reading a hard copy of it <laughs> can you imagine just like you reading the, like the snl book disgusting like, but i do i do i do think it's worth giving it like a full read through right is that terrible of me no i like i don't think so i love doing research i love doing research about anything and i feel like it's weird to start work with somebody about whom you can know a great deal and to not know a great deal about them i feel like i dropped the ball every time I didn't. Can I tell you girls a story? Yes, yes um, you really can. When we did the table read for the only other movie I've been in, No Strings Attached with Natalie Portman, I sat next to this woman and I was like, 
Balsam is her last name. <laughs> is this Martin Balsam's daughter? Do I not remember? And then I only, as I was leaving, I was like, guy, that is the only other woman who's been, that's, at that time, the only person who had been married to George Clooney, Miss Talia Balsam. Talia um, Balsam. Now married to, uh, what's his name from, uh, from Mad Men, um, um, John Slattery. Yes. And that was a situation where if I had prepared properly, I would have been able to like make her my friend within 90 seconds and then ask oh her questions about being God. married to George Clooney. And I dropped the ball. I have to say, I had forgotten that she is also an instrument in that great symphony <laughs> of a film. Like one of my favorite things ever is that is that the supporting cast of that movie is what it is. I mean, the supporting cast of that movie is all over the place, and it's always fun to know. Like Olivia Thurlby, you and I have a thread drawing <laughs> together. One time on the streets in Manhattan, Olivia Thurlby accosted me, and she was she was like, "I know you." <gasps> She was like, you're Aaron's publicist or something like that. I was like, no, we were in a movie together. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, she was very certain who I was. And it was like accessory gay to someone she knows. And I was like, no, we were. <laughs> I have to stand. <laughs> Olivia Thurlby. You saw Juno and you were like, who is that? Yes. Yeah. I, she, I, know, she, I feel like she should be she doing like fits more into this mold now of like, I, I can see her so clearly in my mind, like in a movie now. Yes. It must be so rough for those people who have to have somebody else create the correct uh, vehicle yes, for yes, them. Yes. You know what yes. I mean? And there is something so, yes. so nice about just being like, well, the thing that is holding me back is that I have been too lazy or unfocused to put together the thing I need to yes, for myself. Period. I mean, literally the daily struggle, but wait, what this iconic Matt and Bowen moment brings me to someone who is finally getting a moment Bowen took me years ago to go see the film Thoroughbreds mm -hmm. and it starred Anya Teller-Joy, who of course, you right. know, popped all the way off. And the other actress was Olivia Cook, who I thought was so just good. as good. Mm -hmm. I was like, the, the girl it gives a stunning performance. And I, I have been waiting for years for her to find that. And now she is, I guess, in the dragon show. She's full on in the house of the dragon. And she's of course going viral right now for that, Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco. Ostunin. That's her. She's Ostunin. And I was like, wow, for this to be, not the dragon show, but for this meme yes. to be your vehicle to great success, you go, girl. Uh, I, am I missing something? Is it just is it just popping off because they said it sexy or something? I think that's <laughs> kind of what okay. it is. I mean, Negroni. rich bisexual energy of maybe a sort that it eludes me. Sure, sure, mm -hmm. sure. Well, now I, it's the drink of the fall. Oh, I don't fucking know. Uh, although bartenders are slamming their absolute head into the wall because they don't want to make that. This is the cycle now of like conventional, like seasonally conventional cocktails where it's like mm -hmm. well, everyone's ordering espresso martinis. Everyone's ordering like Dirty Shirley's. Everyone's ordering Aperol's. Like, like it's trends are going to shift. Trends are going to shift. You have to deal with the waves that come at you, bartenders. I actually, I, I, I want to recommend both of you reading material if you want. Yes. I'm, re I'm reading this book now. <laughs> no. I'm reading this book now. You actually would both love this. Uh, it's by this guy named W. David Marks, I think. But this, the book is just called Status and Culture. And it basically writes about how, like, the reason why trend cycles are so quick now is because because status is broken down and, like, people who have high status aren't respected as much as they used to. And people with low status kind of have the pseudo high status. Like, so it, it's all mixed up. Oh, and the, the show that I just sold to ABC 
is about congratulations. That's, that's, thank you. Uh, what a terrible wreck. But uh, it's about three families with the same income who have different classes. And just the fact that we don't talk about the way that class is not just a factor of how much money you make, but truly like how metal is your straw and how, uh-huh. you know, orange is your cocktail uh-huh. and shit like that. So that actually sounds like perfect reading material for me right now. Responsible research. It's interesting. It's, it's a very yeah. great book that pertains to things that we think about anyway. Olivia. But no, to pivot back to Tar. Okay. Like, <laughs> one of one of the things that was amazing about Tar was like re-rooting yourself in this very Manhattan world of people who are so certain that they have control of the culture. And it is such like an abstruse and rarefied and, and weird world that like most people don't care about. Yeah. But still, you know, the people in control still get down on their knees and suck the dick of Lydia Tarr, mm-hmm. Petra's yes. father. Yes, Petra's father. There's a scene, Bowen, where... I, I, it's not a spoiler, but no, 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 she, I, finds, I she finds out her daughter is being bullied at school. And she shows up and goes over to this truly eight-year-old girl and is like shoes the other girls away that, that are standing with her having a conversation. And she kind of gets down on her level and she goes, she says, I'm Petra's father. Huh. And she basically says to her, if you ever mess with my daughter again, I'm going to get you. And if you tell any adults, they will not believe you. So if you can, which you can do if you want, but I'm just telling you it has to stop or I'm going to get you and no one will believe you because I'm an adult. And she, the little girl goes away. Wow. <laughs> but it's iconic. And her performance is so, again, just like so fearsome, but controlled. Yeah. This, what, what, what I was pulling from what you were saying, guy, was I think that the more I work in this industry, the more I realize that these people that have been lifted up and put on pedestals, like there's always an ass to show at, at yeah. some point. And what I love about Kate Blanchett's performance in Tar is it is the best performance of a douchebag I have ever seen. Yeah. Wow. She is such a douche. And you start watching it and you think because of the way the movie is presenting itself and the way that she presents herself in the film and the way that the film is sort of you know, presenting her, you think, oh, this must be something I should take seriously. This must be like a stark drama about whatever's going on here. And then you realize it's actually very explicitly a satire. It is a laugh out loud. And it's it's hilarious. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Is it, is it sort of like by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, who the fuck cares that she's this conductor or no? I mean, the thing is, what's, what's beautiful about it is like, she's a genius. And there's never mm-hmm. a moment that you question she's a genius, but there are so many moments yeah. where you think about the ways that politics and ruthlessness and talent and hard work, the, the way, like what makes a genius? Like it really is right. a, a what makes a genius. And so frequently when we ask, we ask that question, it's like, well, I guess we have to put up with what Mozart is doing because he gives us this music. And this is mm-hmm. not like, this is a movie that like is not saying, oh, well, we have to put up with it. He's so good at what he does, and and yeah. we shouldn't be talking about it because you should be able to experience it. Okay, okay. Oh, but this is so interesting to me. This is so interesting to me because I, I keep running into this thing where like people don't ultimately give a shit about what I do. I don't give a shit about what other people do who get mad at the stuff that I, like, I'm being. I'm I'm sort of talking around a lot of things, but like so. The, the other thing the book talks about is like status groups, and that there are, there are different conventions among different status groups. And that there are different markers mm-hmm. of status in those groups and different hierarchies within those. Anyway, um, is this something that's sort of 
percolating I think in the film? So, I think so. I think the fact okay. that you are actually reading this is going to lend itself to a very interesting Perfect. read on the movie Love because it. yeah. because it's also a lot about the packaging and presentation of genius. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like this sort of um, agreed upon fact that this character Lydia Tarr is basically she's like the closest thing to Mozart since Mozart. I mean, like she is, she breathes art and knowing that about herself and knowing that she has to maintain that there comes with that. Like, of course the douchebaggery I'm talking about that, that has to happen whenever you're talking about your own accomplishments. And, but it's just such an incredible study of someone who has bought their own hype to the point where they actually have forgotten who they are at all. And people don't matter to her because she's not a grounded emotional human being. Like there's, one relationship in her life is not transactional, which is actually a line that's said to her by her wife. She's like, you've got one relationship in your life that isn't transactional and that's uh-huh. the one with your daughter. But then I also think that that relationship is transactional in many ways. So it's, it's a very interesting Can I hear thing. That? Can I hear that argument from you? Because I, there was there was a journalist who quoted that as though it were her own. There's one <laughs> relationship in her life that isn't transactional. And I'm like, that's in the movie. And also anything that's stated to you in a movie, you should question. But I want to hear your... Like, my opinion on her yeah. is that and, and you see this in at the end of the movie I think she's obviously she's a disgusting person she's yeah. incredibly talented and I think that she like any predator um, the number one thing she covets is control yeah. and I think that she wants to dominate and I think that obviously you know we don't get into her backstory a ton but we see enough that she's obviously very ashamed of yes, yes. maybe a certain segment of her life yes. I'm not saying too much but the thing is like what I felt in that scene, which is obviously sort of the relationship she has with her daughter is summed up in this scene with the child when she goes and intimidates yeah. the bully at school is this is another way she can get off on being a dominator. Yeah. So it's le- it's less about prote- protecting her daughter and more about being able to enter a space and let someone know that if she wanted to, yeah. she could ruin your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also comes into play at the end of the film when you see you know, where she ends up because while that atmosphere is so insane and surreal to behold and you leave the movie thinking, what the fuck? It is still an environment that she can dominate. Yeah. And that ultimately is the number one most important thing to her, no matter how much she justifies to herself that it's about art. It's actually about dominance. I'm sure she loves music. I'm sure that she loves what she does and, and she's incredibly talented at it. But it is very clear to me that this person is a classic capital P predator because what they want most of all is to be well, there's the, the de facto dominator of any circumstance. There's the way that you see people. We see people around us who seek fame to some extent so that they can stop being people. You, they sort of want mm-hmm. to stop being people. And there's that weird way that like watching Lydia Tarr try to compose in a room on her own with no one telling her how great she is. She has so little capacity she can't do to it. figure out what she should be composing. And the thing is, is like, I think that this is a truth. It's so hard for people who are successful to get off of their own bullshit enough mm-hmm. to keep making things. And when I see the people who do that, I am always really impressed. You know, the people who yeah. 
Well, when there was eyes on yeah. you, I think that I, th- I think like it's so true too. It's like even if you're the most creative person ever and you're a prolific person, yeah. When there are eyes on you, like the way that you create work just changes. Yeah. I mean, like when you're fucking around in a basement when we met you, yeah. Like, yeah, it's harder to create with people watching. It just is. It's interesting to see it play out in this movie because it's not just that people are watching, which she seems comfortable with. It's that she has to think about um, the way she may be responsible to a certain situation and she cannot get out of her own way. And I do think that that what's interesting about that is watching that converge with the idea of creating art and whether or not even fucking matters, you know, because ultimately it doesn't. It doesn't fucking matter at the end of the movie that she's a genius. That's why we almost never hear any of her work. It doesn't fucking matter. This is about an individual who's... Here's something, and I I say this to someone who's not seen the movie, so this is probably total, total bullshit. Oh my god, I'm like edging for you to see Uh, it. The the opposite of creation or creativity is control. Because with Mm -hmm. you're creating something, you're sort of putting it out into the world, and if you're controlling something, you're just sort of exerting yourself on something that's already there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Yes. Is that is that is no? That I mean, something? that's, no, yeah. that's no, absolutely no. true. And like, once you have status, part of you is always going to be conservative to try to control and maintain that status. Yes, and you're not yes. going to be able to make those same kinds of risks. It's why I always try to, when Twitter becomes like unrepentant shit talking, I always try so hard to remind myself how much I would be shit talking to be funny in the same way if I were twenty. Yeah, you know, but- like. I just think there is that feeling of like striking out from powerlessness does have a great deal of creative chaotic energy to it. And I have to respect that while at the same time being almost constantly annoyed by it. Yeah. Well, you know, you can like you, we all are participating in what we're in in the atmosphere that we're given to participate. Yeah. I, I, I think about that all the time. It's just like, you know, to go from snarky faggots online to faggots who are snarked at. Oh, people actually sometimes yeah, give yeah, us yeah. the opportunity to do this yeah. and then to be faggots that are snarked at. We deserve it. Yes. You know what I mean? Ultimately, it's also like you can't get too mad no. because, you know, but it, it's just, it's a really, really, really fascinating, interesting movie. And I also think like if, if people were listening to this episode in like a bubble and like didn't understand like much about the movie, it, this might sound like a snobby film, like, or like we're, the way we're talking yeah. about it. It's really not. It's so <laughs> it, it, it like when I, when I realized it was a comedy, I felt like I, I felt free. I, yeah. And I feel like the fact that they're kind of withholding that that's what it is, is really genius well, and smart. Well, and it is one of those things where if you were somebody like, Matt Whitaker, who cares too much about classical music, will be able to enjoy and get jokes <laughs> in that movie that don't make sense to me. But I almost think that watching it as an outsider is more fun because it is this like contained space of a world that like mm-hmm. I know nothing about. And it's not about that world. It's just about the power dynamics that inhabit any world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I also left the movie being like, okay, like when I didn't like it, which was my, which was my reality for about, again, like probably six to seven hours. I was like, well, fuck that. I thought, well, I'll tell you what's not brilliant. The idea of like a conductor who like manipulates, um, you know, time and sound also like that one-to-one being like, oh, she's a manipulator of people too. Like that is not brilliant. It is not genius. And I was like, I don't like this, but what is brilliant and genius is someone who genuinely believes that they are manipulating time, sound, energy, and the feeling and temperature of a room thinking they can get away with other stuff to this extent. The belief, the character study is interesting. And that's all it is. 
Mm. It reminded me a little bit of The Tempest in just being a character study of somebody whose power has gone to their head. Of At the end of The Fablemans, I was like so fascinated by all of these choices that uh, Spielberg had made, but I was not swept away. And Tar completely swept me away. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, it's Bowen, and I want to introduce you to the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell. Yes, it's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients, great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself the slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. With new menu options like cantina chicken tacos, burritos, and quesadillas, there's something for everyone. And Taco Bell isn't just for a late night. With this new cantina chicken menu, the possibilities are, well, endless. Try the new cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. Now, I said... Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. How was your tip? Talk about Toronto. Okay, when I was getting to go to the Toronto International Film Festival, there are stories around that that I will tell you boys when it is not being reported. But Okay, okay. Oh, is it Don't Worry Darling uh, stuff? Because I'm gagged. Uh, no, it's not. Don't, I didn't realize that Don't Worry Darling was happening. And oh. then there were just like screaming children all over the place. And it was very oh, yeah. exciting. Oh. Um, but the, the magical story is just that there is a venerable Canadian political writer who 
is married to Canada's former governor general. And I asked them to go with me to the premiere and they were uh, they were like, we can't, but you should come over to the house and like have tea with us. And so <laughs> I went over to John Ralston Saul and Adrian Clarkson's house two days after the queen died and had these people who would like, <sighs> you know, spent many a night at one of the queen's houses, had hung out with the queen many times. Um, just sort of analyzing what that meant for the future of Canada. And that was my tiff right there. My wow. tiff. I forgot the proximity yes. of tiff. you being in tiff. <laughs> you being at tiff in Toronto on Canadian soil, the Commonwealth. And I, I feel like, wow, this also, is... Also, got full Scott Thompson. Got full Scott Thompson. Like, the I What do you mean? He was there. Oh, my, he, wait. He and Joel came to uh, the Bros premiere. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Oh, Scott Thompson was there. Scott yeah. Thompson was there. And Scott, uh, like, I got, I talked to Scott way too much. And then I, I ended up being in Boys Town. And he was at a birthday party that was at the bar next door. And we ended up hanging out all day long. And then I came home and turned on the news. And he was on CBC uh, processing uh, the death of the queen for oh all of my god. Oh my and god. It was, it was just, I had always said, I'd always said, when the queen dies, I will take the day off work. Like, when the queen dies, I will need to take the day off work. But I did not take the day off of Hacks. Jen Statsky was very open that it was a possibility. But I powered through. <laughs> I, you know, kept calm and carried on. Um, but uh -huh. it was, you know, it was just with all of the meaning that she has for billions of people around the planet, it was just sort of a change of an era and getting to be somewhere where they were really taking it seriously in a lot of different ways uh, meant a lot to me. I'm disappointed that you didn't keep your promise <laughs> to yourself. That you, you should have taken off. You should have day. taken the day off, guy. I, I mean, yes, it's like out of respect, but, but truly I did miss an hour of work to talk to uh, John Ralston Saul about what he thinks for the the future of the Canadian monarchy. And what does he think? Are you well, comfortable where, where sharing? Oh, I cannot repeat those on anything oh. that is broadcastable. So it wasn't positive. Uh, is it a collapse of meaning? And so therefore the Canadians will <laughs> fully go crazy and nihilist? He had a vision, <laughs> he had a vision of a future that was more wholly Canadian. Um, and, oh, and I really like it was fascinating to hear from just like this very, very venerable political philosopher about what it means. And <laughs> it was super fun. Now, let me ask you something. And this is going to be more emotional. Did you cry? Did you shed tears? Uh huh. You 100%. I was like, I knew that when the queen died, I would cry. And the thing is, is uh, like, I don't buy that mean to imply that I think that the British monarchy is good oh, no, no, no. or has not been a terribly terribly destructive thing i just think that a stable icon of my childhood you know not like I, my dad was great and terrible in lots of ways i cry about him being dead this person mm -hmm. who represented stability and and sort of one thing i think when you are uh, a a too bright faggot growing up in the united states seeing a, and also in sort of like an anti-intellectual farm town thinking about like Britain and its traditions seems very, very fancy. And then you are exposed to them directly and you're like, who do these people think they are? Um, <laughs> and so it was, if anything, uh, crying for lost innocence. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that Imelda Staunton is going to tear? <laughs> okay. I have no problem with Imelda Staunton. And then a lot of people do. You know who? Cole Escola. so funny. Cole Escola convinced me to loathe Imelda Staunton. And so now. But why? What I does she do? Funny. 
I don't know. I mean, sh- the thing is, is like, and she was a B plus Rose in Gypsy. We can I say, mean, yeah, I think I, that's Cole's main grade. Uh, yeah, yes, maybe ahead. you're right. And the thing is, is like, I learned of her as one of the lovies, as one of Emma Thompson's close personal friends from Footlights <laughs> who hung out and made things together. And I was just like, she's one of the cool people. And then I was just like, oh God, she is a little much. Like <laughs> she, she can be a little much. And we had been promised Chris Schleicher came back with the the tea like six years ago that Peter Morgan was asking Helen Mirren, Dame yeah. Helen Mirren to come mm. back. And, you know, I feel a little bit as though I did not get the Dame two seasons of Dame Helen Mirren I wanted. I'm very <laughs> excited for Leslie Manville. I'm very excited oh, for yeah. Leslie Manville will be wonderful. Everything that's coming for us. I mean, the crown has And Ms. Debicki is gonna she's really good. And I'm so fucking done with Diana stories, I have to say. Like truly, <laughs> I don't think so, honey. One more Diana story, but I do feel like this will be the last one for a while because we have true the bubble has truly burst. It's burst in a big L- way. Lewis's joke about how we're only six or seven movies away from really understanding Marilyn Monroe is one of the best iconic <laughs> jokes of 2022. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? Have either of you endeavored to try and no. watch that film? No. I refuse. I don't I don't I'm care. Sorry. I didn't watch the Michelle Williams one and I would probably like that. I did like that one. See? I do love her. You know, we were watching the, last night at, at the pregame, we were watching videos of Gwen Verdon dancing. And, and then watching Michelle do it? We didn't, but it I, it made me realize, like, God damn it, that performance was incredible. There is a surprising amount of Gwen Verdon in her Mitzi Fadelman. And you're like, hmm. that doesn't make any sense. But I would, okay, here's, here's, before you see the Fablemans, I would encourage you to look at a still photo of Leah Spielberg. And when mm-hmm. you just realize the French Bob is ripped from the headlines, like you, you can understand more that this performance is rooted in, in a specific human being. And uh, it is amazing. But it's also one of those things when it comes to best actress race, she is like 40% of that movie. Like it's, mm. it's not something like what uh, Michelle, like, or, or, or Michelle Yeoh. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like Lydia Tarr is the entirety of a film. Maybe that, like, with some great supporting uh, roles. But like, I just feel like, like Michelle Yeoh got written the most gigantic role yeah. imaginable, and yes. she fucking did it every step of the way. And yeah. I ho- mm-hmm. hope and pray that the Academy can give an award to like a movie that came out in like August or before that april april April. yeah it was way early in the year yeah and somebody who is playing like a lady who owns a laundry like Mm -hmm. if if they can open up their minds enough for that and a funny and a funny action movie yeah yes i mean it was like it was just everything everywhere all at once like it was (laughs) it truly was guys enormous you thank know, you for I, saying that. My, thank you, and thank you for saying that, f- and for really that, f- putting the title into the movie seamlessly. And look at the way we're looking at you with pride and respect. <laughs> and can I say, I usually my rubric is usually, could no one else have done it? Literally, yeah, no one else. There is not a human being on the planet yeah. that could have done except Jackie Chan because that's what it was written for right. originally. And even that would Are have you been serious? Like low impact. Yeah, yeah. In in comparison. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which it's so much more interesting with it's her. So much with more with interesting her, yes. with her. Yeah. And also the thing, the thing though is like I thought that that would be like objectively true at the end of the year that, that this would be the definitive 
thing that lives up to that rubric. I was like, I mean, Michelle Yeoh and everything everywhere all at once, like hand her, hand her the award. But now, Kay, I don't, I don't know that there's someone that could have played Lydia Tarr like the this. Thing, I don't the know. Thing is, is- here, here we start getting into economics of Academy Awards, and it is just that question of determining who is worth three. And we have, in the last yeah. ten or fifteen mm. years, we have opened up who is worth three. And I think we all know that we Kate, really have. Kate has Kate is worth three, but I don't know she that is. it's now. I feel like you know, like Blue Jasmine was nine years ago, um, and like it, it is huge. I used to. I was to say this. I was so excited for my mom and Olivia to watch everything everywhere all at once because you have blue collar, like working class lady who gets to explore everything that was possible for her. Mm -hmm. And then you have like daughter who is in pitched battle with her at all times, Mm -hmm. who is queer and weird and all of those things. And my mom fell asleep during it because she falls asleep (laughs) during things all the time, but just sort of, Olivia got the full experience of it and it was just like, it's, it's just so wonderful when you see something like that. And it's not just a thing of beauty, but also something that, you know, will mean something to people who matter to you. Um, Mm. And Mm. everything everywhere all at once has that warmth factor that Char doesn't, you know? Yeah. Makes it go the distance. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's got more of Coda. Being able to wrap my head around the fact that we live in a world now where Coda wins Best Picture. Like, not that it wasn't a great and lovely movie, but it is just like a very streamable film on like on Amazon that Apple. you watch on your television or yeah, whatever, yeah. Apple, um, is more has more potential than something that is blowing up planets. Yeah. I, well, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say, like, Coda was a sweet and lovely movie, but it was not power of the dog, but yeah. then I saw you sort of drag power of the dog. You I dragged love, power of the dog no, on Twitter. You the did. thing is, is I love power of the dog. <laughs> I like, I, I will drag it. Like the best thing about power of the dog is my friend, Sarah fire made me go see it in a theater in Pasadena, same theater where I saw everything everywhere all at once, but having to drag yourself through the boredom to realize what it was doing made it one of the most effective portrayals of what closetedness is. Like I, I, I felt Ooh. that it was really good. I thought that it was a rich movie that I thought about a lot, but I also was a little bit like, what does this movie want? What does this movie have to say? Like it a little bit fell into, there's a correct kind of gayness that will happen off screen that we will never see, but is correct gayness. And then there is this bad gayness that is bad, mm-hmm. but we're going to pay a lot of attention to it. It is a problem that I found most significant. Have either of you seen the inheritance? Yes, I've seen The Inheritance. I did the full sit-through for both parts. No, for me, life is too short. I mean, (laughs) it's true. Like, I would truly adore to take you, Matt. I'll be sleeping like Deborah. I mean, yes. I mean, the the thing is, is like, I have threatened to take Luke McFarlane from Bros to um, watch The Inheritance. Luke Luke would like it. Luke would like it, but then I would yell at him so much about how angry I am at so many aspects of it. But I feel like mm-hmm. inher- the inheritance was something that was like, there's good, correct gayness. We're not going to show you that. I we're agree. Go- we're going to show you drugs and fucking, and we're going to say that's bad. And I think but that- the, well, well, the, well, the, And, and they, they did say that's bad. That's what you're saying, Yes, right? and I yes, think yes, yes. if we love drugs and we love drugs and fucking- So fabulous. Why not be able to explore drugs and fucking without needing to shake our finger at it? Or if you think there is some better and more correct way of being gay, show us that 
And also at the end of the day, I think rooting the validity of gay masculinity on our capacity to have children is misguided. <laughs> like one thousand um, percent. You know, we are perfectly capable of being wonderful parents. Lots of people are. I'm in fucking Yuba City because I came for Parents Weekend at Davis um, because a young woman had to be prodded to go to services at Hillel. But <laughs> like, what I have to offer this world is not just my capacity to parents. That like yes. we are more than that. So I have a lot of issues with the inheritance, um, but I love that it's so long. <laughs> I mean that what you said about power of the dog about like needing 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 to sit through the boredom to understand what gold you're being given is a little bit tar too. Yeah. Because it's like every single scene is there for a reason, but you don't understand why until later. Like like when I hated the movie for those for that period of time, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And why are we mm. seeing this? And I mm -hmm. asked it so many times. And then every time I revisited every scene, I was like, no, we needed that. I needed that. Going back through it and just thinking about it as a screenplay would be, it would be fascinating and is something that I need to do. Even just the thing of like telling us so much about her work in Peru, <laughs> like what? What? I, I was laughing. When yeah. Like I, I realized like when the, the, Bowen, there's a scene in the beginning where they're like they're doing like a an interview with her. Like she's being again interviewed about how what a genius she is, and like. They list her credits, and at a certain point, you're like, "Oh, this has to be satire because her list of credits is so long." And the fact that she's an egot, like, she's Lydia Tara's egot. She's she's Lydia Tara's egot. And when they said egot, that's when I was like, "No, this is a funny Composers movie." Composers <laughs> are the people most likely to be egot. That's okay. That's this fair, is that's true. Fair. Okay, I have to ask you a question. I have to ask you boys a very serious question. It is this: Is don't worry, darling, camp? Because no. okay. Please tell me. Talk to me. Well, have you seen Bo Don't Worry, Darling yet? Bo? Of course, of course. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, no, guy has, has I have it. I'm, I, I'm willing to. I'm going to presume that it does not achieve like the Sontagian camp definition that it needs to be aware of its own bad taste. Correct. Don't Worry, Darling takes itself so seriously as the half movie that it is <laughs> because it really has something interesting there that's like beyond the scope of what the script allows it to deliver. There could be something really interesting said and done as a thriller and as a fun popcorn movie that stars Harry Styles. Mm -hmm. and, but, but the movie is so obsessed with itself as a satire that it really... It, it it sits in its own quiet and doesn't understand that it's quiet because nothing is happening. It's not quiet because we're waiting for something. And if we are, like it never happens, but it's not a very smart movie. And that is unfortunate because I think with a couple more passes of the script, it could have gone somewhere really fun, but it ultimately is like, you know, and this is actually, you know, saying a lot because Stepford Wives is not an A plus, but it's a C minus Stepford Wives. <laughs> of course, you've seen the Paul Rudnick, uh, Nicole Kidman Stepford Wives, right? I have. I have. It's it's a cum dump. Definitely a B minus, but a, an A plus of B minuses, in my opinion. <laughs> what guys? We're getting lost in the letter grade. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would like to make one point. I, I while watching, um, don't worry, darling. I asked myself, is this camp in the scene when Harry? When Harry is dancing and she is uh, melting down in the bathroom and there were like many images of her in bathroom mirrors. And I was like, 
maybe this is camp. And then while watching Tar, Tar without pretty pink dresses or Harry Styles dancing manages to use bathroom mirrors to be so much more camp than Don't Worry Darling could ever hope to be. Oh, interesting. Don't Worry Darling is camp in the way the Met Gala thought it was camp. That year. Right. Wow. That's, that's how Don't Worry Darling is camp. Don't Worry Darling is showing up being like, aren't I interesting? And you're like, no, hun. And we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> but honestly, thank God for that press cycle because I, I genuinely think it got butts and seats. Yeah. No, it was like good for them. That meta narrative was better than the narrative. Oh, like, certainly much more interesting was what was happening off screen, which which I which maybe they knew and they leaned into it. But also, I, mean, I don't know. The day of Chris Pine spit was just, I mean, amazing. It was psychotic. I, I, that jumped the shark for me. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I oh, yeah. It when, I'm, when we were wondering, did a man spit on each other in this video? I, I, I don't know. That to me was a little too BuzzFeed for me. <laughs> Listen, guy, I want to ask you something. Yeah. So you've had many workplace daughters. Yes. Chris Schleicher was your workplace daughter. I was your workplace daughter. Do you have yes. uh, this sort of relationship with Pat Regan? Oh my God. Does he allow you to, to mother him? I prefer the term niece. And yes. Oh yeah. My, um, you're my niece. Um, um, it's lovely working with Pat. Um, we didn't know each other very well, but before I started the job, I like called him and was like, what should I know about it? Um, he said that he liked all types of chocolate when I was talking about modeling chocolate. And so I sent him a pound of modeling chocolate to see if oh he would God. add that eating. And he was like, over the course of three days, it reminded me of Dunkaroo's chocolate. Oh. Um, you well, know, I never liked um, that. Yes. I mean, the thing is, is like, Hacks is actually filled with wonderful nieces. Uh, mm. There's the delightful oh, Law. Ariel. <laughs> Andrew Law is a peer. He's higher ranking than me on the show. He could never be my niece. Um, but Ariel Carlin, who reminds me so much of my actual niece. Uh, oh, Ariel's wonderful. wonderful. And then Ariel. there is uh, a delightful uh, woman named Samantha Riley, who mm -hmm. uh, is from Berkeley. And, you know, that's a good time. But yes, uh, when news about someone hot comes up, or uh, I want to talk about the weirdness of the time at which we are taking a phone break. Uh, my niece, Pat Regan, is the person to whom I address that. <laughs> you know, I, I always, I uh, for some reason, I let go. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say, Pat is in the Dominican Republic doing an Atlantis uh, event this week. And I did <laughs> not so know how she takes sun. Like, she really is turning into, like... Um, you know, a Czech porn twink over the age of 30. And yeah, I'm really good. impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Pat, Pat, Pat is good in the sun for sure. Yes, very that. I was going to say, I always remember there was a moment when you two, when Matt was your niece. Mm -hmm. Yes. We've been Matt nieces will on two be shows. My niece. Yeah. Matt will always be my niece. Matt will always be niece. Matt, Matt and Olivia are sharing a room in the house at you, in you, in, in, we in, in blast, at Davis, actually. at Davis. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I always think of, that the coffee break in that room for you guys was like 3 p.m. And I always, and I was just, cause I, was, I, I just picture the both of you like double, like two Well, that's because the room on, went too long. <laughs> two hands on one cup, two hands on one, just sipping your coffees, chatting, catching up, talking about the weekend. I and love it, guy. It fills me with joy. And you always were um, very encouraging. And I always felt like very respected by you when, whenever we worked together. And uh, that, that made me feel good because I don't respect anyone more. You're so funny. And also the the first show we worked on, there were no higher levels except for me. There were not. And watching you and Alice Jew like behave like adults, pitch like adults. Uh, and everyone there was really funny, but like you guys 
came at it so hard with such strength that I really just earned undying respect for you guys. Oh, and you behaved you. like co-executive producers. And I was like, those are people who are going to have fine careers. Well, that's oh. very nice. And uh, Alice is fine. Alice Jews. Oh my God. Everyone remember the name. Yeah. This season, this season on Hacks, I did pitch a character who was the first Asian female president of the Harvard Lampoon and was a working model who only wore black. (laughs) Alice is not a working model, but I tried to have an Alice Jew based character and Paul Downs was immediately like, should we just call her Alice Jew? And I was like, all right, you're saying Oh my god. I love that. I, I there Alice is one of the most iconic people, like just in behavior, because she's like, Daria. Truly, she's, she's truly Daria. She's Daria. It, is, it is it is silent assassin. Also, I'll never forget her. Oh, she's I hope she's not mad that I say this, but Mama did not enjoy Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey and Universal Studios <laughs> Hollywood. It did not go good. It upset her stomach. Oh um, no. But we had a fabulous day there. <laughs> Alice Jew <laughs> fucking rocks. I love her so much. She fucking rocks. I mean, like, just yeah, Bowen said it right. Remember the name. Um, listen, um, we're sort of soaring into I don't think so honey territory. But is there anything that you? Because I feel like the fact that you like we're that we're without like your weekly uh, pop rocket is sorely missed. Let's just say that very very much so. What do you have to say that you feel ha- has not been said about the culture? Oh, and this is separate from I don't think so, honey. I just want to give you the floor. Um, that's so sweet. I would say getting to truly like vent and open my heart about tar was really <laughs> what I was looking for. I mean, the things I have wanted most after I saw the Fablements, I just wanted to have a long talk about the Fablements, and then so uh, a week later, I quartered Judd uh, Apatow and made him talk to me about the Fablements. And then <laughs> after I got out of tar, I was just like, I listened to every podcast I could talking mm-hmm. about tar, and I was just like, I want to speak about and process tar. But I would say the one thing I want people to know about in the popular culture, I will be expressing in my, I don't think so, honey. Oh my God. What a segue. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of bubbly, bubbly bursts. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, it's Bowen, and I want to introduce you to the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell. Yes, it's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients, great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself the slow-roasted chicken, pico de gallo, purple cabbage, and new avocado verde salsa sauce. With new menu options like Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burritos, and Quesadillas, there's something for everyone. And Taco Bell isn't just for a late night. With this new Cantina Chicken Menu, you, the possibilities are, well, endless. Try the new Cantina Chicken Menu at Taco Bell now. Now, I said. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. 
on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Bell, what do you say? We're ready to thrust into I this new arena of the so. episode. This is, I don't think so, honey. This is our one minute segment in which we each take a minute to rail against something in the culture. Matt, do you want to go first? Watching you like be dissatisfied with the way you just did that because like, Bowen uh, said it's a one minute segment that we each take one minute and then you, you'll never see this at home. But Bowen literally like like half heartedly threw his hand up and rolled his eyes at the fact that he said one minute too close together in proximity in the sentence. And that's why we love Bowen Yang. It is the attention to detail. It's a Sunday and I was doing music video math in the edit room all day yesterday at work. And I'm, I'm my brain is toast. I'm so sorry. Well, that sounds like really fun math. I'll say music video math. It is. It's kind of stressful math, actually. Mm-hmm. Music video math is stressful math. Shout out to Ryan Spears and Mike Diva for um, being champs in the room. I didn't. Uh, that I love Ryan. And Ryan we've Spears. Known him for a very long time. We've known him quickly. For a very long how time. was Megan? She seemed really. Oh fun. my god! Uh, just a pure star, super Capital mega S. star. Capital 100%. S walks in the room, is so warm, and yet also has that effect and that quality of like sucking the air out. Like you, you. She walks in the room, and everybody pays yeah. attention. Even people who like, like, like Josh and Aaron were talking about this, like on set for the, for fucking identical twins, like she'd walk, like she came on and then like crew people who had no idea who she was, was like, they were like who is that? Who is that? Like, yeah. who is that person? Um, yeah. And she was so, the best thing a host can say going into SNL and, and that Monday meeting is, I'm down for anything. Yeah. Some, right. some hosts come in and there's no, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with this. Some hosts come in and they go, I want to do like an Irish accent. I want to do a this. I want to, I have a this impression. I have a that. Um, lovely. It, it's 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 there's some directionality there but the best thing that can happen is a host coming in going i'll do anything and then they asked her can you sing and she goes not really well but i'll do it mm-hmm. i'll do whatever like that's the best uh, and i disagree with that she can sing but um was so lovely all week and she looks this is absolutely public, amazing too this is public knowledge 7 p.m on friday she finds out that her house in la was broken into oh no and I didn't like, know that. And that burglars like stole like three hundred thousand dollars and stuff. Oh no! And it's she ha- crazy in LA like that. She, it's a it's crazy. It's, it's it's a big problem. She's had she's this 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 lady who we all love. Like like let let's let her catch a break. She literally tweeted like she was like I this is what happened. My house got broken into. Oh, I have to be honest with y'all. Like after SNL, like I need to take a break because this is just so emotionally and physically like 
so draining. And so, yeah. oh, and she, do you suspect Alexis Nyers? I do, I'm not Alexis Nyers specifically, but it, it it is giving bling ring, and it just feels I don't know. But 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 the, the, the nefarious thing is they were like, oh, she's in New York for SNL. Let's go to her house. You know, like yeah. let's case the joint and then rob the place a day later or something. You know, <sighs> she got derided. She got derided. Anyway, um, she was lovely. I find that like she's been through so much shit, and the stuff that she's been through often gets like minimized because like the Torland the- stuff is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It is anyway. Um, it's but she was she was phenomenal. Yeah. Everyone fell in love with her. God, so fun. and just and and sorry not to be like this, but like watching her in the booth, like just like kind of like on the track, like recording. I was like, this is incredible. Like she. Just, oh, that must have been really cool to watch. It was. I mean, it was it was cool and well to just watch her, and then cool and another Celeste and I were like, oh my god, she's like saying stuff that we wrote. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but she was she's she was just phenomenal. Anyway, the fact that she like put on a show on Saturday after. Going through a, an insane like life thing that she had to take care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Leah Michelle as Fanny Bryce said, "Let's give him hell, Bryce. We'll cry a little later. Well, Bryce, that's life in the theater." And amazing. We are going to move on to I don't think so, honey. Now that I've said that, Matt, are you ready? I am. This is Matt Rogers. I don't think Sony's time starts now. I don't think so, honey, that we have to wait still for Midnight's to come out. I'm so <laughs> excited for Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight's. Who knows what we're going to get? Are we going to get more Taylor Swift with a hard R and a hard T? You know her. She's that girl who sits hard in the grass tea. and writes, writes down Taylor Swift. <laughs> she writes down all her oh, lyrics and, and she spills her heart. Or are we getting Taylor Swift? With a long A and a soft F, I think. Yeah, yeah. Are we getting that hip, Short hip, a. hip? Are we getting big stadium pop? Are we getting a mixture of both? What kept Taylor Swift up at night <laughs> that she was able to make a concept album called Midnight? Mm. We're going to find out on Thursday, but I don't think so, honey, that we have to even wait seconds. that long. Taylor Swift is one of my favorite artists, and I want her <laughs> album right now. I Me just too. know that this album is going to be one that I listen to on repeat. And everyone is going to be doing the same. I don't think so, honey, that I have to still sit in silence until I fill the air with the sound of midnight. And that's one minute. Wow. The enthusiasm. And oh, I'm sorry, reader, you should see Matt sort of turned off the switch in his brain and now his face is fully neutral and even angry, I would say. Oh, it was so tiring. It's really hard to be effusive, Bo. I don't know how you do it. You're, you're, you're one of the most effusive people I know and you do it so well and people love you for it. I am pretty effusive. So uh, Matt is a, Matt is just a true luminary. You see like, and literally you see the light from within. Like I, it's, I love this man. But also, so and I don't think I so honey should leave here. you spent. Like that is why you yeah. boys created it because you have so much to give and it is a forum for giving your everything. Thank you for Thank saying that. I, there is nothing. That. There is no greater, um, compliment than what you just said mm-hmm. thank you for saying it thank you thank you thank you um bowen are you ready and excited to do your i don't think so honey i'm excited period this is bowen yang's i don't think so honey his time starts now i don't think so honey using gut health as a way to mask an eating disorder okay there are people out here who are using these two words to be like, I'm eating chia seeds all day, every day, and that's it, and that's for my gut health. No, you want like, like it's they. No, they say this shit. That's fine, but then they always end it with, "Look at my abs. That's uh, gut health. That's chia seeds or whatever the fuck they're drinking uh, and eating." Okay, 
I, it's 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 so fucking transparent to me that the people who are not experts, who are not qualified to be giving out this advice on TikTok or fucking Instagram Reels, to be like, it's gut health. It's gut health. You don't know the first thing about the damn microbiome in your fucking stomach. You don't know one name one of the trillions of bacteria or enzymes <laughs> that are in there. I dare you. Then I'll pay you a thousand dollars if you're gonna fucking chill for chia seeds. I don't know why chia seeds is my example, but gut health is a legitimate thing, but it's being used as a mask. Wow. That's one minute. Hi, I'm Teddy Mellencamp Aravaye or whatever. uh, And the way that I get my gut health together is I starve myself. Sign up for the app. Literally. If you, if if you're a true dietitian, like someone who has a title, I, I whatever. This is I don't mean to like accountability coach. <laughs> well, I I'm saying like just this this kind of I get l- it, yeah. like there's a fi- there's a very thin line. Gut health is a, a, a concept that is you know real and that can be very drink your kombucha, stay regular. Very that there's some of some of these influencer folks out there in the influencing space, which is a very powerful space mm-hmm. as we know. And oh, people yeah. wield a lot of power in that space for for good reasons, for bad reasons, for neutral reasons. They're they're kind of pushing the gut health agenda in a way that is, hmm. I think, a little a little shady. I think yeah. it's a little little scary. And no one is saying chia seeds are not a superfood. We all accept that they we are love a chia food. seeds. Like Aztec runners who needed to get through a day, it took care Die of the that. historian. Thank but you. it is not. But it is not the entirety of a diet. It is not a way of life. There you go. There you go. Guy, who is the most interesting historical figure? Oh, do you know who Hypatia of Alexandria was? No. I've heard the name. They made a Rachel Weiss movie about her. She was a lady mathematician in Alexandria and she um uh like figured like she like figured out a bunch of stuff about the way the planets moved. Um and then they killed her and they cut her uh they cut her skin off with pieces of pots because they thought she was a witch because she was not Christian or the other thing they were supposed to be. A man. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not the answer, but I love Hypatia of Alexandria. I oh do too my now. God. I'm so happy I asked. So this is Guy Branham's. I don't think so, honey. Are you ready and ready to steam? Yes. Okay. Your time starts now. Uh, people who leave the History Channel show alone because they miss their fr- family? I don't think so, honey. <laughs> alone is a television program on the History Channel where people are dropped somewhere in the Canadian wilderness with 10 modern objects and have to survive as long as they can. And people do not leave because they miss their family. They leave because they are starving. They leave oh. because they tried really hard to kill a deer and did not kill a deer. They leave because their gill net did not work. And I am tired of these people like real people fighters on a loan they get pulled off of the show because they lost so much weight that their blood pressure is artificially uh uh, reduced those people leave like heroes but people who leave because they miss their family are fucking weak and if they got one of the 10 spots to go on a loan they should let themselves slowly starve to death the way that everyone else does and not be whiny about how Oh, I didn't properly process my daughter dying two years ago. Get over it and catch some fish. I don't think so, honey. Really good guy. Amazing. That's one minute. Are you guys caught up on Survivor this season? Uh, Yes, I am. Talk about it. This is my Tar and Survivor, my two two pieces of missed homework. Go talk. Survive Tar. I I feel like we have some personalities this year. We've got a good season on our hands. And Bo, I'm excited for you to binge. When you do finally get some, and I'm going to say this word, deserved. Time off. 
The man doesn't stop. Oh my god! I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish tonight. I like that That's there's no premise. Idea. I like that there's no premise. And Matt, did you spot when there was the thing about the woman who was accused of cheating at professional poker? Did you mm-hmm. realize that the guy who accused her of cheating um, was brains versus bronze versus beauty? He was the hot, the hot Jewish poker player on brains. Wow! Unbelievable. Yeah. Who is your front runner for this season? Oh, I forget. I feel like I, I binged all three of them very quickly, and I feel like it takes me five episodes to just have them coalesce in front of me. What well, do you think? The answer is Carla. Um, A name like Carla. She is an iconic um, uh, Latinx lesbian who sort of oh, is is sort of giving Richard Hatch in the way she's observing it all. Wow! And she's her great. social gameplay has been on display, and you know she's getting a good edit because they constantly cut to her to just comment on things. Mm. And the edit that she's getting is the all-seeing, but also very doing player. You know what I mean? Like it's giving under the radar in a way that other people think they are, but oh. are not tragic i'm saying a name like carla is tough like if there's a carla on survivor you know they're going far mm-hmm. period period and you should and you should that's a it. and that's a, and that's a rule of culture which one is that again i'm forgetting 58 that's rule of culture number 58 if, if there's there a, carla is a carla on survivor, on survivor you know you know they're, they're going, going far, far. <laughs> now but matt i would encourage you to just Try just try a little bit of alone on the history channel. It answers okay. the question. This sounds fascinating. What if people went on Survivor and there were no social game and also they were mostly white supremacists? <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, question that, a question I needed the answer to. It sounds like, yeah, okay, good. Good, good. good. I mean, I, I have a big night tonight. Potomac is on. You you don't really engage with the housewives. I don't. And that's I, a shame. We would I, encourage you to start, to be honest. Okay. The thing is is I from Chelsea lately, I have like two seasons of New York and like, uh, and I tried to watch all of Beverly Hills so that I would have more to talk to gay guys about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I crapped out just after the backdoor pilot for Vanderpump Rules. Um, but I would mm-hmm. like to be more conversant in these things. Like you guys, there are so many times when I listen to your podcast and there are just like 15 minutes of the name Dorit and Dorinda. Gobbledygook. And I'm like, I-, I would, and also enough of these things are People should not be using the word Aviva without me being able to engage in it. If you're using <laughs> the Hebrew word That's... for spring, I want to know what's going oh, on. Oh my God. You're so right. I feel like your drag name is should be Aviva. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, guy, I would just recommend you start with Salt Lake City and get caught up there because yeah. there's there's the least homework to do. Yeah. And it's, so... and it's it's very much top of mind conversationally for, for, for gay guys and, and the culture at large, I would say. All right. And you're going to like it because it's a crime thriller. Also, I hear lots of Jews. There is two. two? Lisa and Meredith or no? Lisa is Mormon down. Oh, but she's culturally Jewish. It's culturally Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so. Lisa and Meredith, Meredith, she's Jewish. And then, but it obviously, and I do think that you will find a lot of interesting stuff in there about the Mormon of it all. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, look. There are moments in life that you will remember, and this was one of them. One hundred percent. I just—I'm sorry. I did a quick Google. If you heard typing sounds, I was just quickly googling Lisa Barlow Jewish, and yes, her family was Jewish, but Lisa she was not Barlow religious. Jewish. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, thank you for a lovely Los Culturistas. I have missed you guys a great deal. It was lovely to have some talk. Oh my gosh, this was a, this was truly the best part of my week. Oh, and to have good meat to chew on, and to have thank you for making me watch Tar. I maybe wouldn't have watched it. Otherwise. You know what? I, I first of all, I don't believe you would not have watched it. <laughs> I mean, it may have it might have taken me like months or something. You know, frequently. You I mean, here's the, the thing: theater. like Bowen is going to see it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna wager that Bowen will will get will see I it will. at some point yeah. over the next week. Even yeah. I think that he's not going to be able to stand it. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, it, it's going to occupy time on next week's episode too, because I just know he's going to have a lot to say. Oh, yeah. Even if it's a different opinion than us. Yes, absolutely. Especially if I'm. I'm. I'll wager that it won't be too different. My my two very smart friends have made very interesting points. But Bowen Yang is first and foremost his own person. Absolutely, <laughs> it's very true. Okay, well, we end every episode with a song. <sighs> good, 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 good vibrations. vibrations. Yeah, yeah. To listen to that song, Beach listen. Boys. Listen to the Beach Boys. Good vibrations. Smile. The lost Brian Wilson. Bowen Yang is revealing his knowledge of <laughs> I love Beach, the Beach Boys. Boys. He loves American culture. <laughs> Bye. Bye. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanique, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Some say Titanic is the best gay nightclub in the city, and those people are me. And me. So set sail with this cookie crazy off-Broadway hit and get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, add images, graphics, charts, and data visualizations from the massive media library. It's easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. Canva presentations are perfect for any deck you want to design for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can nail their presentation with Canva presentations. Perfect, record, and share a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. You'll appear in a video as a talking head on the slide, and it's the perfect solution if you can't be present in person or if time zones are tricky. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.